What's going on, people? It's your boy, Kalechi, back with another episode of the Ramblin' Mind Podcast. How are each and every single one of y'all doing today? I hope y'all are staying safe. I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves. I hope y'all are doing all the things you know you ought to do during these times. And I hope you're going to be doing something fun for the July 4th holiday that we have coming up this weekend. Depending on when you're listening to this, this was uh, recorded before the weekend of the 4th of July. So happy 4th of July to everybody who is in the United States that listens to this podcast. Your boy going to be traveling. And speaking of traveling, oh man, I'm going to be feeling it in my pocket when I go out. I'm not even talking about traveling and spending money on the things that I actually want to spend money on. It's on all the other stuff. Apparently, gas prices are flying high again. Gas prices are at the highest that they've been in the last seven years. The nationwide average price per gallon of a regular unleaded gas just hit $3.09 on Monday. I saw it when I was driving home on Sunday from church and I was like, that's a lie. There's no way gas is at $3. It was just at $2.89. It cannot be $3.19. And I was like, I was playing dumb and I was refusing to believe what was actually happening in front of me. But it happened. It happened. Gas is over $3 right now. And for all of those, which I'll be one of them, who will be driving and traveling this weekend, just expect yourself to pay way more for gas than you've had to pay in the last few years. In Los Angeles, gas is almost at $6 per gallon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I definitely don't want to live out there unless I'm getting paid some exorbitant amount of money. I definitely don't want to live out there because the cost of living, every time I see any cost of living numbers for California, I'm just like, I'm out. On the other hand, we can see like travel and leisure has rebounded extremely well because United Airlines just ordered over 270 new airplanes from Boeing and from Airbus, which was over $30 billion. So they're saying, yo, we love all the numbers that we're seeing from everybody. We're loving the fact that everybody's out here talking about, yeah, I'm gonna go on this trip. I wanna travel to this place. I wanna go on this place. And they're like, we're gonna put in a massive order. This is their largest order in over a decade. This is the largest single order of any carrier that United has made in over a decade. So it shows how bullish they are on travel, on leisure, on everything returning a little bit more back to normal as we just continue riding this road of this pandemic or recovering from this pandemic. But anyway, Facebook. Facebook joined the Trilly Cub. Facebook is now a $1 trillion company. Last week, we talked about Microsoft becoming a $2 trillion company. And while this week, Facebook is like, don't forget about us. We're joining this club. So now in the United States, there are five companies that are worth over a trillion dollars. We got Apple. We got Microsoft. Both of those are worth $2 trillion. And closely behind them, we got Google and we got Amazon. Those are about worth about $1.9 trillion. And then Facebook pulling up at the rear like, yo, we still in this fang business. We still one of these big five tech companies. And they're showing it right now being worth over $1 trillion. But even bigger news than that was the fact that Facebook was able to say we beat our case. Facebook bit their case because if you remember, Facebook was facing an antitrust lawsuit from the FTC and also from about 46 different state legislatures who alleged that has a little bit too much power, who alleged that Facebook was a monopoly 
And so they brought it before the judge, and the judge was like, yeah, 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 that's cool what you're saying, but you ain't really bringing me no facts, so I have to rule in favor of Facebook. The judge said, it is almost as if the agency expects the court to simply nod to the conventional wisdom that Facebook is a monopoly. Literally, in all honesty, he is right. I mean, he was like, yo, if you're trying to prove that Facebook is a monopoly, you got to prove that Facebook is a monopoly. You can't just be up in here in my court and just be like, yo, Facebook is a monopoly for social networks. Although it's true, which is one of the things he said in his quote was like, just using conventional wisdom, but you can't use conventional wisdom in the court of law. It's about what you can prove in the court of law. So it was like, prove something. Because right now, y'all ain't proving it that Facebook is a monopoly, even though they actually are a monopoly. Like, let's be honest, most people access the internet through Facebook or through Google. Those are the two or through nowadays through Amazon. Those are basically the three websites that everybody, when they go online, they're going to one of those three stops. And so he was just like, yo, if you're about to bring this case before me, you got to prove it. You got to prove. So Facebook, they celebrated. And after that court case went to, went away, boom, the stock, sh stock price surged. And then they hit that trilly, trilly mark. So, and then the other thing is this is not like the end of the case by any means. The FTC has until July 27th to regroup and file a new complaint against Facebook. So even though Facebook won their court case, it don't mean that this war is over. It just means that it's getting started and it's showing the FTC how exactly it needs to formulate its battle plans to ensure that they can continue to jump on the bandwagon or rather they can continue to put pressure on Facebook to maybe change some of its practices moving on from there it's been hot and I live in the south I live in the south right and it's been kind of hot for us but it's not like scorching heat just yet. We still get that nice breeze blowing. So it still feels kind of good when I take my walks outside and when I go outside and do all the things that I want to do outside. When I go play soccer early in the morning, we get that nice little breeze. The clouds are still going on overhead. So it feels good. But in the northwest, and oh my gosh, why is he doing this right now? Why is he blowing leaves right now? But we go persevere. And we go push through, and hopefully y'all won't be able to hear the guy blowing weeds, my neighbor blowing needs outside right now when I'm recording, when I was hoping that nobody, which usually nobody's doing anything at this time. But nevertheless, let's get back on topic. The Pacific Northwest is seeing heat that they haven't seen in generation. I mean, no, not even generation. This is like once in a multi-generation type institution. This is like once in a thousand year type of thing that's going on in the Northwest. Over the weekend, Seattle felt, they felt the heat like they've never felt the heat before. Smashing all their high, high temperature records by seven degrees Fahrenheit and hitting 107 on Saturday. And it's going to get Worse, it is estimated that they will heat somewhere around 120 degrees between Canada and Seattle and everywhere in the Northwest might hit anywhere from 120 degrees. These places are not supposed to be that hot. They're not supposed to be that hot, but they're getting that hot. You may say like seven degrees, that's not that high. It's not that much when they're breaking their all-time high records. But the thing is, when you break your all-time high temperature records, you're supposed to do it incrementally. It's supposed to be fractions, not whole numbers. It's supposed to be like, 
oh, we broke our all-time high of 98 degrees, and we got it to 98.5 degrees, and everybody's like, yay, we broke our record, yay, or anything like that. It shouldn't be, oh, it was 100 degrees, and then the next time is 107. That's not how this is supposed to work. I mean, it got so bad that they actually were selling out of ACs. And if you know anything about the Northwest, their climate their climate usually is like, we don't need ACs. I mean, I went up there during the dead of summer with my little brother. We went up there, he was doing an internship, and I traveled up there with him, and I stayed with him, and we were going around. And it was the dead of summer, they didn't have an AC, and it wasn't like, hot! It's not like down south! Now, if you live in the South, you know what we call hot. I mean, I live in Atlanta, aka Hot Atlanta. We're called Hot Atlanta for a reason. It gets hot. They don't need the same kind of heat up in the Northwest, right? It's usually not that bad. Like, the way the buildings are built, the way everything is constructed in the Northeast is so that they don't need ACs. They don't need all of the things that we have down here just to try and keep our temperatures under control because this humidity is crazy. But that's what's happening now. Now you're seeing people rush out of their house to buy AC units, to buy all of these different things because temperatures are just unbearable. I mean, it is so bad that they have to shut down their buses. They have to shut down their trains. They have to shut down a lot of things. Why? Because power cables are melting because they're not designed to run this hot. I mean, there's a threshold of what you design for. And in the threshold, it's not supposed to be over that threshold. Like you design for worst cases. And this is going way beyond any worst case when you're designing anything. Like as an engineer, we always are like, okay, what's the worst case scenario that can come up with? Let's design for that. But this is going way further and beyond than anything that you can possibly imagine. It's actually a natural disaster. Because of heat, a lot of people are not putting it in the right perspective. This is actually a natural disaster brought on by, guess who? Man, like we are killing ourselves with the things that we keep doing. And all I want to say at the end of this is, where is everybody else that said climate change is not real? Where y'all at? Where y'all at? Because I don't see none of y'all on Twitter. I don't see none of y'all talking anymore. Where y'all at? Just like four years ago, all y'all were super loud. I mean, as a matter of fact, we had, uh, what was it? I think it was a senator who walked into the Senate building with, uh, with snow and was like, I brought this snow from ice and from outside and they say climate change is real. Where is he at now? Where you at? That's what I want to know. I want to know where all these dudes are that are out here saying that this thing isn't real. Guess what? We're seeing the practical condition of all these things coming to pass. With all of these once-in-a-generational thing becoming more and more regular, it doesn't make it gen once-in-generational anymore. It makes it a regular occurrence, which is not good. As a matter of fact, one of the things that we're saying was our human temperature, our human bodies are not supposed to be going through these type of uh, temperature fluctuations. As a matter of fact, I believe in Canada, they announced that a few people had already died because of the heat surge and the heat wave that they are seeing up there. So I'm just saying... We need to start taking this thing a lot more seriously. And, and everybody keeps saying, oh, we're killing the planet. We're, no, 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 no. The planet is going to be fine. Like the planet, when we all dead, the planet is going to be fine. We're killing ourselves. <laughs> like that's the perspective we need to start thinking of. We're not killing the planet because once we die, the planet is just going to do its own thing. We're killing ourselves. So we need to start taking care of the things that can help us live out this life a little bit better. From the heat of the Pacific West to the heat of the housing market. <sighs> 
We thought GameStop was a short squeeze. We thought AMC was massive. We thought Bitcoin was hitting new highs. Well, all of that was all whatever compared to what's going on in the housing market right now. Think about this. According to the Wall Street Journal, the S&P, you know what? I have it up here. The S&P CoreLogic Case-Shiller National Home Price Index, which measures average home prices in major metropolitan areas across the nation, rose 14.6% in the year that ended in April, up from a 13.3 annual rate the month prior, aka March. April marked the highest annual rate of price growth since the index began in 1987. So what does this mean for me and you? It means we ain't buying houses, dog. It means this thing, we just, we just, we, we just can't afford to buy these houses because this is ridiculous. Things are so bad that people are doing all kinds of stuff to try and get an edge in winning the bids for their house. Check this out. Someone promised to name their first child after the seller of a home in order for them to win a house bid. They still lost. Another person in Austin, Texas bought two houses so he could get the one that he actually wanted like what so you're telling me that in order for me to buy the house that i want not only do i have to outbid other other buyers but also i have to buy your second no 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 no, no. we ain't doing none of that we ain't we ain't about to do none of that but that's what's happening also institutions are starting to get into the game too because they're like yo we, we can't really get return anywhere else we can't really get like risk-free return from the bond market we can't really get risk-free return from just saving our money so you know what we might as well get into the rental game as well like we might as well get into this and buy up subdivisions and rent them bad boys out because you know we got money sitting around and we got to put this money to work even though it's not a large portion of the market that's being bought up by institutions, but it's big enough that it's making a difference in the market. It's big enough that it's making a substantial difference. Well, I won't say substantial, but it's making a difference in how much prices are. As a matter of fact, the median existing home price sales rose in May, in May rose almost 24% from a year earlier, topping $350,000 for the first time, according to the National Association of Realtors my gosh the housing market is crazy man the housing market is so crazy but the good news is people are starting to get burnt out people are like you know what i'm not trying to be the nine thousandth bid on a house just to get told that i can't buy it so you know what i'm gonna chill for a little bit and hopefully things calm down but as we all know during the summertime is when most people try to buy new houses because they're trying to prep up for where their kids are going to go to school for so hopefully by around august september around that time things start mellowing down so that i can buy a house like so that i can do so that people can actually buy homes especially for first-time home buyers those are the ones that are getting shafted the most first-time home buyers are getting shafted extremely because now you're having to save even more money and just just for even more money to be able to put down for oh and this is another thing i regret I really regret not listening to my mom back in 2018 when she was like, can let you buy a house, buy a house and rent out the rooms. And I was on my whole Dave Ramsey nonsense talking about, no, I have to put down 20%. What if I can't afford to keep the house? She was like, you, look, look, you can afford it. And I was like, no, I'm on Dave Ramsey. He says you must put down 20%. But the thing about Dave Ramsey's whole thing is most of the time, people who are putting down 20%, it's not their first house that they're putting down 20%. Why do we think, why do you think we have something called an FHA loan? Like, uh, 
but I was dumb. I was extremely dumb. I should have listened to my mom. Man, this is word of wisdom to every single person that's watching this right now or listening to this right now. Listen to your parents. Sometimes they got really good advice. I'm not saying listen to them without doing your own research, but you know, they have, they have wisdom. They got silver hairs. If you see somebody with white or silver hair, maybe listen to them because they've lived life and we have not. And maybe they can share some of that experience with us. But you know, sometimes us youngins think that we're invincible and we know more than everybody else. So we take L's over and over and over again. But anyway, enough of the negative news. One positive news that I saw recently was as a nerd about personal finance and all things personal finance, U.S. citizens have a combined $2.4 trillion saved up due to the pandemic to which, of course, you know I love to save that money. But I'm also like, y'all need to start investing that money. But still, it's a first step. It's a good news. However, now that the economy is picking back up and everybody is, the world is opening back up, I expect that amount of money to be spent very quickly, especially as things like student loans and mortgage moratoriums are removed. A lot of that money will start flowing back into the economy in one form, shape, or fact. Check this out. For the first time in history, 1% of the world population are millionaires. For the first time in all of history in the world, 1% of the world are millionaires in dollars when factored in dollars which is about 56 million people and is estimated that about that by 2025 it will be 84 million people as more emerging uh, economies continue to rise the number will grow as well so that's all like really good news and really great things to hear and really great things to see um but i just want that one percent to become like two percent three percent four percent five percent six percent more and more of the world to enter into that domain of having a lot and having more to be able to give to be able to share out of their wealth with other people as well but i want to close out this podcast doing but anyway that's all i got for y'all i hope y'all learned one maybe two things out of this entire thing and if you did go share this podcast with one person that you love one person that you hate and one person that you just kind of meh about and by that time you to share this podcast with every single person that you know i'm gonna catch y'all up on the next one remember generosity is always greater than greed god bless each and every single one of y'all and i'm out peace